0: Matthew's Gospel, chapter number six. In a sauna in the Columbia Correctional Institution, a serial killer that had killed 17 men and boys was baptized by a minister in the sauna tank, in the whirlpool tank, I guess I should say. A church member had reached out to this man when he was in prison. She had seen him in his trial on a television show, and she said, I could see the hunger and the desperation in his eyes. She sent him a Bible, a series of Bible study lessons, which he quickly worked on and sent back to her. And next thing you know, he's asking the prison chaplain, how do I get baptized? And then his next request was, I want to get some gospel tracts because I want to begin to evangelize the other inmates here in this prison. The man's name was Jeffrey Dahmer. Probably one of the world's worst serial killers. Because not only was there murder, there was sexual violation, and in some cases, horribly even cannibalism. And if you know anything about the story, it would be easy to say there's no in way in the world that that man could ever get saved and be forgiven by God. But the problem with that is there was definite evidence of salvation, there was definite evidence of a changed heart. And the man that prayed with him and led him to Christ actually said, If you could have seen what I saw, There was joy in a man who was totally broken and had done so much wrong. It was just a couple of months later, one of the inmates in the prison killed him, and he went off into eternity. And a lot of people would have said justifiably so. And even the Bible tells us, if you shed man's blood, by man your blood will be shed. But it's interesting to me, when you talk to people about this man, some of you aren't old enough to remember him. Others of us were horrified when the details of his crimes begin to come out and you found out what he had done and how bad it was, it's interesting because we know that conversion, when a man or a woman will repent and bring their life to God, we know that conversion really is powerful. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So let's ask a question before we read our text tonight. Does God have the power to change the hardest of hearts? Does he have the power to change the worst hearts? Can he change your heart tonight? Because that's really where this message is going to go. Can he change our hearts? And the truth is, yes, he can, but there is going to be a requirement of this thing called repentance. And you may want to put words on it you can call it apology but at some point in life we have to say to God God I'm gonna ask you to forgive me of my sins I am sorry for all of the insanity that I've gotten myself involved in I am sorry for the sin I've committed and how many times I have violated you think about the word repentance because the word repentance actually means I'm sorry And so Jesus is talking to us not our text yet but in Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 21 he's giving his sermon on the Mount and listen to what he says he says these words you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder if you commit murder you're subject to judgment but I say if you're angry with someone you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And that leads to the text I want to share with you tonight in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. I want you to read with me tonight, beginning in verse number 9. The disciples have come to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. So I want you to think about the words that you see on the screen in front of you The power of repentance. I want you to hear Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Jesus tells his disciples, in this manner, therefore, you should learn how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts another version says trespasses another version says sins as we forgive those who have been indebted to us trespassed against us or sinned against us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen for for here it is if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I want to talk to you tonight about the power of the two words, I'm sorry. If you were here Sunday morning, I preached on the word division. I was talking about marriages. I was talking about broken relationships. Every person in this building can come very closely to understanding the things that happen in marriage. There's division at times. There's anger, there's things said, there's arguments. Sometimes it's back to back for the next three weeks until we decide to resolve our problems. Sometimes it's yelling and screaming and next thing you know, it ends up in division, which is now called divorce. And if you would be honest, the real issue of the matter Is between the two people fighting and the two people in trouble neither one of them was willing to come and say you know what what we're doing is absolutely foolish I am sorry can we just make this thing right and go on and let God heal us and move in our marriage or are we really going to take this to the final exit which is divorce I want to talk to you firstly tonight about the power of an apology And I want to come right into every person's living room. This is so important to every every one of us. This is so important to who we are, to where we live. The power of an apology among the most important words that must somewhere in your life flow from your lips are the words you see on the screen, I am sorry. That's critical for the success of a marriage. It's critical for the success of relationships and even for the success of real friendships that are going to last a lifetime. They're critical to your workplace situation. Let's be honest, folks. We all have failed other people. Can anybody say amen? If you haven't, it's because you're young and you don't recognize how badly you have failed. When you wake up and you realize that you're going to fail and probably already have, then these would be good words to remember because sometimes the only thing that's going to heal our relationships is these two words. And I'm going to go in depth on this a little bit because this is critical for success and being unable to offer a genuine apology Is one of the greatest forms of narcissism or self-love one of the greatest forms of emotional psychological and spiritual immaturity when you are unable to ever say those words I am sorry could you please forgive me Jesus is talking about apologies in the Sermon on the Mount I want you to think about this for a minute in Matthew 20 or 5 verses 23 and 24. I just read them for you, but he says something amazing. He says when you're offering your gift at the altar, when you bring your gift to the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, you've done something to them, leave your gift there before the altar and go... First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift to God. What makes that a stunning statement? It is very possible this teaching was going on in Galilee. That means the temple and the altar they were talking about would have been in Jerusalem. So you would have gone from Galilee to get to Jerusalem. It would have taken you about nine days. Imagine the trip. And you get there and you're getting ready to offer this gift to God in worship because they didn't have services like we do all the time just by virtue of where they were they had house churches but to go to the temple to offer an offering you would have had to travel nine days and so Jesus says if you get there and you bring your gift to the Lord and you kneel there as you're going to offer this to the priest because you want to give this offering and pay for sins if you remember while you're there that there's an issue that needs to be resolved I'll interpret it to today's language if you remember you need to say I'm sorry to someone and heal up a relationship leave your gift on the altar that'll make sure you'll come back in most cases and then go back make things right and then come back to the altar And offer your sacrifice to God now if it's true they were in Galilee that's a nine day trip so now you got to go nine days backwards if it's people in Galilee that you know need to hear you say listen I'm sorry let's quit this foolishness let's quit this angst and anger I'm sorry can you forgive me I want to make this right we used to be friends we need to be friends again so now you've got to go 18 days. And then if you're going to re-offer your sacrifice again, you got to go nine more days back and nine back the other way before you can ever get it. Now, you know what I know, right? Most people would have never done that. You're not telling me I'm going nine days back to make things right with my brother, who I already don't like anyway. But notice what Jesus said. He's trying to give us some insight. That's a lot of days of your life when if you would have just stopped for a minute, listen, if you would have stopped for a minute and made things right even before you left, you wouldn't have to do that. You could have gone to the temple, you could have offered your sacrifice, you could have gone away rejoicing, but obviously to avoid the walk, you needed to take care of the offense before you went to offer your sacrifice. I think what that does, it helps us begin to see what Jesus really wants us all to see, and that's the importance of an apology Or those infamous words, I am sorry. Husband, hard, aren't they? Wife, difficult, isn't it? And especially when each of you believes you're right. I am not going to apologize till they apologize. And how long is this going to go on? Four score and seven years ago. Or four, no, we won't go that far. But imagine how long that is. Think about what's happening here, because when you begin to understand the idea of apologizing and reconciliation to Jesus, it is connected to worship, it is connected to offerings, it is connected to praise and thanksgiving, it is connected. In other words, there will be a wall between ourselves and God, a wall. Even in worship, as long as there's a wall between ourselves and people that we've wronged or that we have an issue with that we need to apologize to. You know what I know? You know what I know? We don't always apologize very well, do we? Wow, no. How about an amen? We don't always apologize well, do we? We really don't. And the reason it is is because it is such a humbling place in our lives we become defensive we're pretty good at lousy apologies can anybody say amen you know what I mean lousy the ones that are inauthentic self-serving and cheap kind of like your kids when they do something wrong to their brothers and sisters now say I'm sorry I'm sorry (laughs) big stinking deal don't give me this I'm sorry I'm sorry i am sorry No, look him in the eye and I'm I'm sorry. We don't do this apology thing good at all. It's not in our nature because it causes things to happen in us that we don't like to have happen. And so what do we do? Here's our apology. You ready? I'm sorry you felt hurt by what I did. I'm sorry you're so sensitive. I'm sorry if you felt I did something wrong. I'm sorry if something I may have done hurt you. Or we might as well just come at them and say it. I am sorry, you're such a jerk. That's usually what's being said behind it because a genuine, sincere, I am sorry, I have done wrong. I don't care about your feelings or sensitivity or anything else. I have wronged you and I need to apologize to you. And can I please do that? And would you please forgive me? sometimes our apologies are merely self-serving we're just tired of the angst around the house okay you want to hear it i'm sorry oh that's a big apology isn't it but you said you've been waiting to hear it i told you we're trying to make ourselves feel better we're trying to benefit somehow from the apology i know who i'm preaching to tonight because it would be this way in any church in the world this is the hardest part of life rather than truly understanding the pain we may have caused or the insincerity that we may have brought. How many of you have ever seen a sports figure or a Hollywood star? They do something really wrong and they get caught. And at first they avoid and avoid and avoid and avoid and they don't want to get on the camera. And then they realize the brouhaha not going to blow over. So now they're gonna make an appearance on TV with a statement that either their manager wrote or the team PR department wrote, I stand here today, I am so sorry for what I've done. I made a really bad mistake. Would you please forgive me? I just wanna get on with my career and play football. Nope. Isn't that weird? A sincere apology, a sincere opportunity To make things right. And all I'm really trying to do is rehabilitate my career. And go on and be able to do what I like to do. So what what does a real apology look like? Well, I'm going to give you my interpretation. You guys may be able to make your own input here. But when you preach someday, you can tell them whatever you want. Amen. Four things, I think, make a great apology. You ready? If you're taking notes, write them down. If you're not taking notes, you should be. Oh, wait, we can go listen again online. Four things I think that an apology should look like. Number one, a demonstration of the pain or frustration or anger that I caused you because of what I did. I think it has to demonstrate that I acknowledge I violated something and I want to ask you to forgive me and I want to make this right. It includes a certain amount of remorse. I am wrong. Those are the hardest words to say. I'm sorry is bad, but then to turn around and say I'm wrong, those are even worse. And then to take full responsibility for your own actions. ooh. And then making a commitment that I'm going to do everything I can never to let this happen to you again because I've made a commitment I'm going to watch myself and I don't want to hurt you anymore. The biblical word for apology is repentance. That's powerful because that kind of apology of repentance has real power behind it. Let's talk for a minute because those words you're looking at on the screen, those words carry with them incredible, incredible power. It heals broken relationships. It heals broken marriages. I mean like that. Sometimes we get so stubborn, I will not let my guard down until they say I'm sorry. It heals. It reconciles people in sometimes irreconcilable situations. This has the power to heal marriages, restore trust, bring friends back together, and prevent division like we talked about Sunday morning. Do you realize most of our major issues, family blowups and marriage dissolving moments in life could be handled with, can we just stop? Listen, I am sorry. I have wronged you. I don't want to talk about what your role in this is. My role is I am sorry. It will heal things. It will change us in our hearts. Let's be honest. Most of us want to forgive. We really do. I hate feeling grungy because you got somebody hanging out there that you know they owe you an apology, you owe them an apology, and it's just weird to just let that hang there. (laughs) Most of us want to forgive. We don't like conflict with people, but forgiveness is so much easier to offer when the other person has at least been willing to say, listen, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have done what I did. I shouldn't have done that. Can you please forgive me? It's easy to forgive somebody like that. It's easy because we want to do that. Some of you don't know this, and I don't want to go into tremendous depth, but 20 years ago, we had a situation in a church I was pastoring in a couple of couples got real weird and blew up. That happens in churches. It's called rebellion. And, and blew up. Cost us a lot of people because they had influence in the church. We've just sent the Samuels to India. We've just moved into a new building. That's not what you want to have happen. Ten years later, ten years later, one of the men that was in charge I just happened to run into him, asked him how he was doing. And for the first time in 10 years, said, "Pastor evil. I don't know what happened. I was out of my mind. I was out of my mind. I don't know why I did that. I am so sorry. Do you know how quickly things healed up after that? I said, you know what, my brother, I'm so far beyond that now. This is 10 years later. This is 10 years later. But it changed everything in him. And he began to make a move to restore his relationship and even with the church that he had left far behind because of his own decisions. But that moment of, I'm sorry, some of you don't know this, and I hope he doesn't hear this sermon, but this stage was built by that man. This addition was built by that man. The apology was so simple, it took the weight off his shoulders. It took the weight off the relationship. I'm big enough to move on. But when we needed a carpenter, I knew exactly who to call. And he jumped at the opportunity to come and help us. That's what an apology is. It wasn't a big deal. Didn't need to get on your knees and snivel and cry and beg forgiveness pastors evil i'm so sorry great appreciate that and now i stand on his work just think about that for a minute because that's what an apology will do we want to forgive we don't want to live with that and all it took was a simple i'm sorry is there anyone that sitting tonight they still feel the pain of the broken relationship with you, of the wound, and people do things. Why do people do things? Ask this man why he did things. I was out of my mind. I didn't need an explanation. I didn't need to try and untangle it all. I knew what had happened. I knew what he was living with and under. I knew the battle he was facing, and all he had to do was say, listen, I am so sorry. Fine, good, let's go on. How hard is that? Because it's in us to want forgive. So let's talk about those two words, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Possibly the two most powerful words in the English language, and yet they are so hard to get out. Sometimes we, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I want you to hear this song. Some of you will recognize it. And if you can put it on the board, it's got the lyrics, it really is good. strikes me and to wait to find that you're not there what do I do to make you want me what do I gotta do to be heard? all over, the siren seems to be the hardest word, it's, time, it's so, so, so sad, sad, with the signs and situation. Be the hardest word.
1: Now think about
0: that for just a minute. Sorry seems to be the hardest word. Isn't that true? There's couples sitting here tonight. You're looking at that. You're listening to those words and you're thinking it's a sad, sad situation and it's only getting more absurd. Why do we let things go on like that and eventually we are so filled with a hard heart and hatred, why do we struggle to say those words, I'm sorry, words so easy to restore relationships, I'm sorry, swings open doors of forgiveness, of acceptance, of grace, I'm sorry, releases the power of our mistake, and grants freedom, it grants healing, it does so much, two words, I am sorry, but they seem to be the hardest words. Isn't it amazing we avoid those two words because we don't look at the end result? Instead, we're only looking at now, not to the future. We only look at the immediate and we tremble in fear because sorry grasps at something in our pride. And for me to go to her, me to go to him, me to go to them and say, I'm sorry? God, do you know what that's going to take? Because it grips at our pride and stubbornly we refuse to take responsibility for something we're at least partially guilty of. And when we do, we say no to making a change and transforming our lives. When we're unwilling to say I'm sorry, we just say jam it, it's not worth fighting for this relationship. Saying nothing leads to increased hurt, to hard hearts leads to pent-up anger. And I want to say it tonight, if you'll hear it, it is never too late to say I'm sorry. And it's never too soon if there's been a wrong before we allow it to go on any farther. Can anybody say amen? So think about that. So let me talk with you about three reasons we avoid these words. And I think some of these will hit home tonight. Number one is fear. Fear. Think about what I'm going to say. Saying I'm sorry can be scary. We're scared of what the other person or the other people may think. We fear their rejection if they don't accept our apology. We fear their judgment. We fear the conflict it's going to bring. If I even try to approach them, this thing's probably going to blow to pieces. We often think simply avoiding making an apology is just going to make the whole thing go away faster. We sometimes think maybe they didn't even notice that I really did wrong them I promise you they noticed people are pretty good at picking that up But fear cripples us and it keeps us stagnant rather than moving forward David said in Psalms 118 verse 6 the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid What can mere mortals do to me so fear stops us from that the second thing is pride? And that's the biggest issue that any of us face. We hate to lower our own sense of self-worth to say to somebody, I am sorry, pride keeps us from taking responsibility. How many of you know where I'm going with this? I'll tell you where I'm going. Our pride makes sure our focus becomes on what the other person did to contribute to this, not what I did. We buy into the lie that their part was bigger than my part. So, of course, they have to make the first move, not me, because they owe me more than I owe them. And then we wait, and we cross arms, and we shut them out, tight-lipped, and get madder and madder, and we're just waiting. We're almost demanding they apologize to us. Hanging on to pride only further hardens your heart. And when your heart gets hard, how many of you know when your heart gets hard, God can't get in? The pride of your heart deceives you, and God's not able to break through and touch and change us. And then the third thing, besides fear and pride, is now we have to take responsibility. Well, it wasn't my fault. I can think of probably one argument in my whole married life that it wasn't my fault. And boy, was I stubborn. She is going to apologize. And she wasn't going to apologize. <laughs> ah, sorry, sweetie. I love you too. But I was, I was in that moment. I am not doing this until it just dragged on and on and on. I said, this is absolutely stupid. The refusal to apologize is the same as refusing grace and forgiveness from someone else. It's essentially saying, if I'm not willing to apologize, then I don't need grace, I don't ever need forgiveness. The apology is admitting wrong. And when you admit wrong, it lays claim to a need for us to change. But change is hard. And especially the older we get, we hate change. Because I'm right. Isn't everybody in the argument right? You know they are. Change is hard. But how many of you know, once you get over that initial, you know what, I'm sorry, this is dumb. Why do we waste our time? You know what I know about being married a long time? You get to the point you don't even fight anymore because you don't like to get to that place to where you have to say, I'm sorry. So it's like, why bother? A little tension gets up, just get quiet. Zip it, shut up, leave the room. And in about 10 minutes, come back in and grab a cup of coffee and be happy. This is the wonderful thing that I'm sorry does. It gives us a brand new way forward and a new way to learn to repair relationships and move on in life. And it will benefit you for the rest of your life. First John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Amen. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let me close very quickly with the actual big payoff of these words. The power of I'm sorry. The power of I'm sorry. If you're waiting on someone to apologize to you, are you ready? If you're waiting on someone to apologize to you, you might as well just accept the fact it may never happen. Did you hear me? Well, then life is going to be bad from now on. No, just accept the fact it may never happen. You might just have to live with the fact They will never understand. But why do I want to torment myself and break all my relationships just because somebody didn't give me what I think I'm deserved? Hello. What if you never get that apology? Are you going to be mean, angry, glow claws, sharp teeth? Ah! Because that is what happens. Amen. Relationships. When you apologize or say, I'm sorry, relationships are restored. Hurtful situations are resolved. Saying I'm sorry immediately removes bitterness, immediately removes hardened hearts. And forgiveness then replaces all the bitterness and a relationship can be restored. It allows grace to flow freely again in that relationship. And now conflict is reduced and pretty soon there is no conflict. And here's the issue, is we find out that in those two simple words, all this big thing that we've made it, all of this waiting or demanding has brought us to the place that neither one of us is going anywhere until we're able to say, you know what, okay, if it takes I'm sorry, praise the Lord. I heard a men's class years ago when I was a young disciple and the preacher came in and he said, you know what, 95% of marriage problems are the man's fault. I immediately said, I reject that. That can't be possible. 95% of the marriage problems are men's fault. You've got to be kidding. You're out of your mind. You're a false prophet. Get out of here. You know what I found? You know what I found? Not necessarily because the man causes them all, but because sometimes his heart won't let it go and move on because his pride's now involved and so 95 percent of marriage problems really do come back to you sir and when you learn these words you know what this is dumb let's go get some ice cream I love you and go get some ice cream admitting we make mistakes admitting we still need grace admitting we still need a savior admitting we still need to get right with God it is absolutely amazing when we understand If I'm not willing to give my partner or my friends or those people or my family, if I'm not willing to give them grace, one day I'm going to need grace. And it's not going to come back to me. And God is going to make sure to remind me, remember, remember when you were unwilling and now you want me to have grace on you? Sorry, turkey, that's what always scares me about Matthew chapter 6 When Jesus says if you will not forgive others, God cannot and will not forgive you And we all think Jesus didn't really mean that But because Jesus is the one that said it, I think he really meant it And I think he meant it because he understands how powerful relationships are And so as we close tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed The big payoff is this The healing. Everybody thinks you've got to get into every situation, everything that was said, undot every I, uncross every T, backtrack on everything, untie every knot. You don't have to do that. I'm sorry puts it all under the blood. I'm sorry puts it all out of reach. I'm sorry. Okay, I accept that. Thank you very much. Let's go on with our lives. I forgive you, and let's go on. and Let's not do this again because this is dumb. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, as no one's looking around for a minute. Christians are praying quietly.